position victory. See, we want to lift our hands after the battle. We want to lift our hands after the race. We, we want to lift our hands after the competition to say, I am the winner. But truth of the matter is, before the race even begins, you have to have a posture of victory before it even starts. So no matter what happens along the way, I still got victory. No, no matter what you go through, no trial, no test, no matter what temptation you go through, no matter whatever it is, you got to go through it like this. Oh, God, I didn't catch that. I go through it like this. That's what David said. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going through, watch this, with victory. Why? Because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I'm going through it like this. Now watch. Take me. Watch. This is also a sign of surrendering. The reason why I have victory because I've surrendered all of my own efforts. That's why I have victory because I have given all of my own rights to say, God, have your way. No matter what, it, God, I'll go through it. I'm surrendered. I'm surrendered. And some of us are still going through it because we haven't surrendered yet. The reason why it's still not working out yet is because you hadn't surrendered yet. And God is waiting for you to give over all that you are so that you can have all that he is. Woo, Jesus. He's waiting for you to give up all that you are so that you can have all that he has for you. One more time, because God. And because God is the greatest power we shall never we shall never never be never be defeated and because God and because God finished your course Lord Jesus and you have you have declared that it is finished so Father we thank you for the finished work of which we have the victory we thank you for the finished work that we have the healing we thank you for the finished work that we have the freedom we thank you for the finished work that we have the provision we thank you for the finished work that we have everlasting life so God we thank you and God we give you the glory and God, we give you the praise. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Somebody shout amen. Come on, 
shout amen again. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He is the greatest power. There is no name above his name. Amen. Bless the wonderful name of the Lord. Amen. Look at y'all wonderful faces out here today. Amen. To God be the glory. Can we give the Lord another hand clap of praise? Do me a favor. If it's your first, second, or reoccurring time, what do you mean reoccurring? That you've been coming and coming, maybe not like consecutive weeks, but you've been coming time and time again, and you have yet to join Elevate Church, uh, you're reoccurring. That, that's what we call reoccurring. Amen. You're coming curious every week, waiting to be connected. If that's you today, first, second, or reoccurring time, would you lift your hand in the air let me see you? Amen. Amen. Almost this whole section over here. Amen. Almost the whole back row over there. Amen. Come on. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> if you fall in the reoccurring category, you're shacking up with Elevate Church. Amen. Getting all the rights and benefits, but you hadn't made a commitment yet. Don't, don't look at me like that. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Amen. So it's time to stop shacking up. Amen. Tell your neighbor, put a ring on it. Put a ring on it. Put a ring on it. It's time to commit. It's time to make a commitment. Amen. It's, it's no thing that the Lord keeps bringing you back to this house. There's a reason and a purpose. The Spirit of God keeps drawing you here. So before today's service is over with, I would pray that you would pray to the Lord and say, God, is this the place that you keep bringing me back to that I need to go ahead and make a commitment to? Because here's the thing. If you're doing the church hop from one place to the next, eventually you're going to get fluid in your ankles. They're going to swell. And you ain't going to better walk no more. Amen. So stop doing the church hop. Amen. Go ahead. Rest your feet up under the table. Pull up to this table. Put your hanky in your, in your shirt and feast. Because this is where the Lord's table is bread. Amen. Amen. Well, let's jump into this thing on today uh, for all of our guests. Thank you for being here. For those online, thank you for tuning in. Amen. I know the Lord has a word for you on today. Uh, our 915 service was like literally bananas. It was, it was crazy this morning. And so we thank God for his presence filling the house on this morning. And uh, if you were not a part of our 915, we had people hold over. Uh, stay over for the 1115 service because the 915 was just amazing. So uh, if you didn't get a chance to be a part, go back online and check it out. Uh, let me say this. On uh, Friday night, Friday night, we had 12 hours of prayer. We locked into the sanctuary for 12 hours. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So, so the intercessors and, and everyone who were praying, uh, we thank God for each of you laboring in prayer for 12 hours. They were praying for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So you ought to thank God that somebody was interceding on your behalf. You know, sometimes you need somebody to pray for you. Anybody ever been there before couldn't pray for yourself? It was just like one of those tough times. Couldn't utter a word. Couldn't find the words. But you had grandma praying for you. Amen. Grandpa praying for you. Auntie praying for you. And you felt their prayers. And see, that's, what, that's a reality of prayer. You can actually feel the tangible presence of prayer. It's like, it's like dew drops in the morning. Hallelujah. 
you ever felt like all of a sudden a release or a relief that's because somebody was praying on your behalf that was a breakthrough from the heavenlies Daniel chapter number 10 when the angel broke through from the prince of Persia Daniel felt a release after 21 days of praying that's because the prayers were going forth amen so we thank God for those who were praying and then on yesterday morning we were uh dance aerobicizing for Jesus we call it jigging for Jesus amen so had a phenomenal time but let's jump to the word amen tell your neighbor it's time for the word turn to your other neighbor and say are you ready for the word now shout back at me say I'm ready for the word amen hey mother Gwen blessings to you amen she toxic free hallelujah hallelujah ah, amen that's a miracle walking right there Grab your Bibles all over this place, Colossians chapter number 3. Then we're also going to grab Psalms 118, Colossians chapter number 3. Verse number 16 is where we'll begin reading. Colossians chapter number 3. Then grab Psalms number 118. Verse 5 is where we'll land. As you're looking, stand to your feet. you walked in you should be able to stand hallelujah we stand in reverence of the reading of God's word and if you need Bible to go along with it just go read John chapter number 1 verse 14 start in verse 1 why you should stand for the word because in the beginning was the word John 1 and 1 right verse number 14 says and the word became flesh so that's why we should stand because we're in reverence of the word that became flesh did you catch it because if you're in a court of law you should stand when the judge comes in so we stand in reverence of the word we're going to read our faith declaration on this morning so I would hope that you repeat these words after me loudly and strongly disturb your neighbor for me go ahead and apologize in advance say I'm sorry look at your neighbor just tell your neighbor I'm sorry look at your other neighbor say I'm sorry I'm sorry yeah, but, but I need you to say it loud and strong like wake them up today I'll be taught the word of God oh y'all doing good my spirit my spirit is ready and my mind is sharp I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. I believe what the word says about me. I am redeemed. I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. Come on, say again. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. No COVID, no monkeypox, or any other kind of pox shall come near this home. No sickness nor disease shall come nigh my dwelling place. I'm more than a conqueror 
I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Prophesy that over your neighbor. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Find your other neighbor. They jealous. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Shout, I'm blessed to be a blessing. My house is blessed. My marriage is blessed. My children are blessed. My church is blessed. Shout, I'm blessed. Now shout real loud, amen. And amen. Clap your hands if you're able. If you're able. We'll start in Psalms. Did I say 118? I'm sorry. Let's go Psalms 59 and 16. Let's do that. Psalms 59 and 16. I'll give give you a second to turn there, but it's for you on the screen. And in Psalms number 59, in verse number 16, it says, But I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in time of trouble. I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love. You are my refuge, my fortress, and my refuge in a time of trouble. I will sing. There should be some rejoicing. Weeping may endure for night. But singing in the morning (laughs) will bring joy to your soul. Hey, God. Catch hold of that. Weeping may endure for the night, but if I wake up singing, my soul will rejoice. If I wake up with a song on my lips, my soul will rejoice. Because morning time is not a chronological period. It's a choice. Tell your neighbor it's a choice. (laughs) It's a choice you have to make. And morning will come, morning time, will come when you make a choice to stop mourning. (laughs) You caught it? I think the person behind you missed it. Mourning will come when you make a choice to stop mourning. In biblical times, in ancient times, they actually gave them a month of mourning. After that month, they say, get up, dust yourself off, anoint your head, and get moving. Now, I'm not subscribing to you any kind of process or any procedure of which you need to go through mourning. But I will put an addendum to that to say at whatever point or process you do, you have to make a choice. Some of you, it may take two months. It may take three months. It may take four months. But you have to be assertive enough to say that at one point I'm going to make a choice to stop mourning. Hallelujah. That's when mourning comes. That's when joy comes back. Some of y'all still mourning some dead stuff that been dead 20, 30 years ago. And, And God told Joshua, my servant Moses is now dead got to make a choice Joshua you can continue to live in the old thing or you can walk into the new thing so joy comes when you learn how to sing through the trial and the tribulation well I don't have a voice sing anyway amen 
Ask Brother Mike. He sing through it all. Man. Oh, no, no. Oh, I'm about to say, tell him to sing. Don't, don't, don't do that. Amen. Amen. Be right there. Amen. No, no, no. Hallelujah. Amen. Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 16. Let the message of Christ de- dwell. <laughs> okay, y'all pull it together. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, through hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let me say that again. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with our wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we sing praises unto your name, and we bless your holy name. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to make a quick work of this lesson on today. Uh, I pray it be a blessing to you. We've been in this sermon series for a minute, and I really want to bring it to a close today because in September, we're beginning a celebration of a body work uh, that has taken place over a decade here at Elevate Church. So we'll begin celebrating what God has done through Elevate Church over a decade when we first founded this ministry. Amen. So we're going to begin to celebrate 10 years of ministry starting on next month. Hallelujah. So all the way into next year, we're going to celebrate every month what God has been doing and how God has done it and through the lives of those who God has done it through. So all that time, we're going to celebrate. And of which, too, amen, the reason why I want to bring this sermon to a close because my birthday next month. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, So... That's a good month. That's a good month. It's a good month. A lot of yours too. Amen. A lot of good things happen in September. Amen. A whole lot of things. Amen. Must be your birthday too. Must be your birthday too, huh? A whole lot of stuff happened in September. And, and I'm not saying this as a shameless plug to get a lot of gifts. Amen. But I will receive them. Um, but I'm, I'm sure throughout the month, I'm, I'm going to take a little break throughout the month. And uh, many of you may know or may not know, but uh had, had a little incident on last Monday, had to be rushed to the ER, and amen, and we made our way through that. We went through with our hands up in victory, praising God, and you know, what they said could have been, wasn't, and amen, but I'm here. Amen. Amen. And, and, and Lady T has been in, endeavoring to, uh, to keep me at bay and to keep me at rest. Amen. Amen. So... Amen. So I'll take a, little, take a little break, take a little break, take a little break. Amen. And celebrate at the same time. So we thank God for that. We have capable bodies here at Elevate Church. Can I say this right quick before we get into the word? Elevate Church is not a pedestal for a person, but a platform for... Right? So what does that mean when I say that? Elevate Church is not to lift up one man, but to lift up the man right it's to lift up jesus christ 
so often we look at church at the altar, which we'll talk about today. And as the altar is an elevated place, we lift up the person who is on the altar. Y'all quiet, quiet, quiet. And so, so we lift up the man who mounts the pulpit and we lift him up or her up to elevated place as though you don't have a gift. As though God can't use you. So now we, we got to run to the house of God to get a word from the man or the woman of God when God has already put his word in you. So, so forgetting the fact that Jesus tore the veil so that you can have free access, that you can boldly come unto the throne of grace. Watch this. Yourself. So now we lift up this person and now we can't really hear from God unless we hear from them. So now if you come into the building and your favorite preacher is not on the platform, you ready to go home? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Bishop Jake's not preaching today. I'm going home. <laughs> you look through the window and see who's preaching. Is that Elder? Elder preaching today? I'm going to work the parking lot today. So it's, it's understanding that God has a gift that he has placed in the earth realm. And it, it may sound arrogant and conceited, but turn to your neighbor and say, I'm the gift. You've got to understand that. He has given gifts to the body. Oh, my God, I felt some glory on that. He has given gifts to the body. Sitting next to you is a gift. Waiting to be unpackaged. Sitting next to your gift is a gift waiting to be unwrapped. There's something God has placed on the inside of you that your neighbor needs. And if you're willing to make yourself available, say, Lord, here I am. Then the unwrappings begin to come off. You just got to yield to God. Now, now, Now watch. Ephesians says this. He has given some apostles. He has given some prophets. He has given some evangelists. He has given some pastors and some teachers. He has given some. There's a lot of denominations that believe that that some already happened. That there are no more apostles. None. That there are no prophets. None. But yet they call themselves pastors. So if he's only given some, then that means that some of pastors already happened and there's no more. Okay. So that debunks their whole theological approach on this text in Ephesians chapter number four. So, so here it is. He has given some. What do you mean some apostle? Some of you have some apostle. Let me say it. All of you have some apostle. All of you have some prophet. All of you have some evangelist. All of you have some pastor and teacher on the inside of you. He has placed it in you as a gift that is waiting to be unwrapped. 
So whenever he calls you, he says, uh, remember that gift I gave you, Donnie, as a, uh, some po- a prophet? I need to unwrap that right now. Because I need you to prophesy to Craig. And, and you're no prophet, but this gift I need to unwrap because some of what's in you, he needs right now. Can, can I teach this thing right quick? Because there's more in the pews than in the pulpit. And, and that's why you have to understand. I both shot. That's why you got to understand that in these works you shall do greater. Because this is few, but out here is many. So, so I need more of the work done in you than in them because there's more of you than them. So I need to activate y'all. Come on, just turn to your neighbor and put your fist up. Say, one of the twins activate. Come on, bump fist with him. Say, one of the twins activate. One of the twins activate. God's trying to activate you because there's something on the inside of you that God needs to do it through you. I haven't even got to the word yet. I'm sorry, y'all. So, 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 ah, man. I'm on a rabbit trail right now. Rascally rabbit. I feel like I'm a foot. So, he wants to do a work on the inside of you. And that's what the purpose of the church is, is for us to come together to activate the gift. Right? So now you can activate the gift that's already on the inside of you. Stir it up. Some of y'all going to go to Piccadilly and it's going to be a whole nother praise break. It's going to be a whole nother church service. Because you're going to yield yourself to the spirit of God. Hey, and God going to give you a word and you're going to see that lady behind the counter. And you're going to bring joy back to her soul because you're going to release what God put on the inside of you unto her. Some of you going to be down at the... Oh, y'all quiet up in here. See, y'all used to church where y'all just come in, get a word, and leave out. And then that word never begets, that word is never used or activated in your life. It's never applicable. Take your notes, put it in your Bible, and it's good for a week. That's it. Don't go back home and review it. Don't allow the Spirit of God to activate you. Some of you just come into church out of church duty. When God is calling you to activate, to activation. Hallelujah. To be an activist for the kingdom. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. There's a glory cloud hovering. The spirit of the Lord is hovering. He's brooding. Can this section, can y'all all all just unify in faith and lift your hands for a second? I, I really sense like the spirit of God, like a, like a mother hen hovering, brooding. Something is hatching. Something is birthing. I feel impregnation. A birthing, a manifestation of something great about to happen in your life. Father, now in the name of Jesus, thank you for a great birthing, a manifestation of your glory. Do it now, God increase your anointing upon their lives in the in the name of Jesus let your glory fill these vessels in the name of Jesus in Jesus mighty name can y'all clap for them no y'all don't clap 
Can y'all clap for them? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. A woman of intercession and prayer. Hallelujah. There's a prophetic intercessory anointing falling upon you. You're a woman of prayer, but what the Lord spoke to me, he says, a woman of intercessory, prophetic intercession. In other words, you're going to begin to pray and prophetically proclaim what's to come as you're praying. So you won't just pray for people and their conditions, but God's going to prophetically use you to utter some things that are not yet to come, but to come in their lives. And as you're praying, God's going to open up your eyes and give you, ooh, reveal mysteries, signs, and uh, uh, miraculous things. Eee. I don't know who Simone is, but thank you, Father. Uh, but, but God's going to use, amen, you to really just intercede, to enter as a seed that you feel taking on the weight of intercession. To where your body feels the prayer. Good God Almighty. Amen. And as the seed falls to the ground and dies. It shall bear much fruit. Your seed shall produce a great abundant harvest. And I see you raising up other intercessors. I don't. What's your name? Gannett. With a G. Mm. Wow. Give her both mics. <laughs> One for each hand. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I receive. Amen. So I just. When she gave me the word of the Lord for the house, she said the blockage mm, was lifted. My God. Amen. And she used the word international. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so in confirmation of what, what Tina said and confirm your word, you are the fourth prophet that have come. To declare the same thing. Have you ever been here before? 
Your first time? Wow. Amen. Amen. The, the, the fourth, fourth prophet that declared the same thing, that this church would be the paradigm, would be what God... Uh, okay. Receive. Blessings. And then international. Thank you so much, Miss Gannett. Prophetess Gannett. Amen. Uh, our Kayla program uh, just went global, international. Right? So when you use the word international, our Kayla program is now going to cover the entire uh, Amen continent of, Amen, you got me, Amen, the Latin America continent. So we, uh, over 1,500 churches plus the government, 500 schools, Kayla will be taught into all of those areas, plus Another 800 in South Africa. So, amen. Blessings to you. Amen. Let's go to work. Amen. Let's make quick work of this thing. Uh, the glory of God. H hear this. The message will crush you, so the wisdom and worship will pour out of you. That is the point of God's word, is to come to crush you. As we have sung about the, uh, just read about us waking in the morning to sing so that God can bring the wisdom and the worship out of us. That the word of God should come to a point in your life where it crushes you. If the word has not crushed you, then you're reading something other than the word. Okay, let me say it again. If you've never been crushed by the word, then you're not reading the word of God. If, if the word never showed you something other than what you see yourself as, then you're not reading the word of God. Because the word is like a mirror. It should show you something. It should show you yourself and show you all of the wrongness, all of the weakness of you. And then when the word show you that, then it'll crush you so you can be molded into something else. Anybody ever read a scripture and be like, ouch. Has the word ever challenged anybody where you were reading like, oh, Lord, really? Today, Lord? Pray for your enemy today? You know what Karen did. And you want me to pray for her today? Are you serious? The word should crush you. But the purpose of the crushing is so that worship will pour out of you. Wisdom will pour out of you. Because only way to get the good stuff that's on the inside, you must crush the outside first. So, the message will crush, crush you so wisdom and worship will pour out of you. Revelations, and I know we're scared of revelations, but we try to not read revelations too much. But here's the revelation in Revelation, that there are no revelations. There's only one. Y'all catch that on the way out. It is not revelations. There's only one revelation that is revealed multiple times. And, and, and really, the truth of the matter is, God is the beginning and the end. Uh, he is Alpha and the Omega. He, he is the first and the last, 
And the word of God says the first shall be last and the last shall be first, right? So really when you read your Bible, you should start at the last before the first. <laughs> we start in Genesis in the beginning. And God says it's better for you to start at the end. Because that's where the victory is. That's where your hope comes. It's in the end of the thing, not the beginning of the thing. So we, we start off reading our Bibles from left to right, but in, in the Hebrew culture, they read from left to right, right to left. Tell your neighbor, start at the end. He knows your end from the beginning. So if you really want to run to the end to see what happens, start at the end. Hallelujah. So we see in Revelations, grab Revelations, Revelations chapter number four, verse number two. Make it quick work with this thing because we're talking about worship today. Revelations chapter four, verse number two. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne. Somebody shout a throne. A throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. And one sat on the throne and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardan stone, sardan stone, and there was a rainbow about round about the throne, and sight like unto an emerald. Verse number four. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Man, this blessed me when I read it. And out of the throne proceeded, uh, proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, somebody shout before the throne. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Oh, I know we're used to those pretty pictures of those angelic angels with wings and a halo over their head. But angels have many eyes all around them. I, I know we like those little fluffy white, you know, with their harps and the cloud and that bow and arrow. But truth of the matter, angels or not depicted in that way in the Bible. They're not these little minor statues of, 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 of men. <laughs> Scripture says that they had eyes. They were like four beasts. They, they were around about the throne, or were four beasts full of eyes before and behind them. That's why mothers are angels. Your you, you, mom ever... You know, say stop doing something, but she wasn't looking at you. Like you got eyes in the back of the head. <laughs> How you knew I was doing that? A amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast was like a calf, and the third beast was like a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings, not two. Six wings about them. And they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 
holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, which was, and is, and is to come. And when the beasts, they gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who lived forever and ever. Watch what happens in verse number 10. The four and 24 elders fell down before him and sat on the throne, on the throne, him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne. Now, they had seated positions around the throne. But when the worship began, (laughs) when the worship began, the elders took what they considered valuable to be invaluable because they were before the one who was most valuable. (laughs) They took their crowns and they cast their crowns before the throne saying, thou art worthy. Oh Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Their worship unto God was God take everything that I have, everything I consider valuable, everything in in me, God, you can have it just to worship you. Tell your neighbor, that's worship. To give God all that you have. So in these few, few moments, I, I want to talk to you. Altars or altar worship, shall I say. Altar worship. Altar worship. Altered for his glory. Right? Altar worship. I want to teach you about altar worship. I, I started telling you about how Elevate Church is not a pedestal. For a person, but a platform for people. So often, watch this, we worship the altar instead of having altar worship. This becomes the place that we give all of our worship to. The altar. Now, I'm going to mess some of you up, and, and, and I hope you still love me after this. But a a lot of times we want to run to the church to get our worship on. I got to get to the altar to pray. Uh, Pastor, you busy? Can you open up the church? I got to get to the altar and pray. That becomes altar worship and not altar worship. Yeah. You're, You're putting more value on the place. Then the posture of your heart towards the one whom you're worshiping. So, so what we have to learn is, we have to learn true what altar worship is. And the altar worship, altars can be built any place. Matter of fact, you carry an altar with you everywhere you go. You, you, you carry your altar with you wherever you go. So it's not about the place, but it's about the posture of your heart. Are y'all with me so far? 
I just want to teach real quick. So, so there are three models of worship, three models of worship. Number one, the, the first model of worship is private. Uh, that's our private worship. We build that altar in our private space, you know, at home, in the shower, praise the Lord, in the closet. Y'all remember that movie, War Room? You, you know, create a whole altar in your closet. Made your husband mad because you cleared out everything, put his stuff in the small little storage locker. Amen. And you took the whole spare bedroom and made you a... Um, okay. And you created an altar in that space for private worship. For some of you, it's a, a private space on your way to work where you're in your car. You spend 15, 20 minutes in the parking lot with the worship music on. You create an altar there. You begin to worship in the private space. That's the private. That's, that's one, uh, one model of worship private. Uh, but of course, we told you that worship is not private, but it's public. So the next model is a public worship. It is what we do congregationally in the gathering. We come together to worship together. That's another model. Uh, but there's a third model of worship. I'm going to give it you in a second. Tell your neighbor it's coming in a second. Uh, hence the question marks. Okay, so I told you last week, modern day Christianity focused more on the expression of worship than actual the condition in which we worship, right? Uh, so we, we have this expression of worship, the lifting of the hands, the shouting, the running, the dancing, and all of those things, the music, and, and maybe loud or low, whatever it is, no music at all. We, we focus more on the expression of worship, and we forget about the condition. Of how we worship. So what is the condition of worship? The condition of our hearts. Making sure our hearts are right. So often we worship God, but our hearts aren't right towards God. Let me say what the scripture says. We honor God with our lips, but we're far removed in our hearts. And watch, it happens in churches across the world. People are honoring God with their lips. God, I bless you. God, I thank you. Oh, I hate her. Look at her. God, I love you with all of my heart. I can't believe they got him singing words. God, I love you. You are amazing, God. You're honoring God with your lips, but your hearts are far removed. God, I love you with all my heart. Man, I can't believe I'm about to get evicted. heart's not right. Did you come to God to worship him or did you come just so God can work for you? Okay, it's going to be heavy in this place today. Are you coming because you need something? And you're honoring God with you. Oh God, you're amazing. But why do I have cancer? Why would you allow this to come upon me? God, you're, oh, oh, God, you're phenomenal. Why'd you allow him to die? So you're honoring with your lips, but your heart is far removed because really your worship hadn't connected with your heart. It's connected with the expression of worship. So that, the conditions of our heart is very, very key in our worship. It's very key. It's very key. Uh, so, so it brings us to the next condition. What are the motives of our hearts? 
What motivated you today to come and worship God? What was it that you come and you get a healing that you've been believing God for? Provision? Whatever it is, what was your motive? Or was it just to get in the presence of the Lord? So even if I walk out with the sickness that I had when I walked in, God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you. God, I thank you. If I walk out and I go home and the doors are barred because I've been evicted, God, I thank you. I got to experience your presence today. And I know, God, because of that experience, God, I don't know what you're doing, how you're going to do it. I don't know how it's going to work out. But, God, I thank you that I had a moment with you. What's your motive? I need something or, God, do I need you? I remember years ago, my son and I were sitting in the bedroom watching television. He was probably about maybe four, three to four years old at the time. And we was watching actually Bishop Jakes and Bishop Jakes, uh, of course, y'all know Bishop T.D. Jakes. And he, he looks over at the congregation and he begins to give an account in the Bible where uh, there was a man who was sick. And Jesus looked at the man and said, what can I do for you? Jesus asked this man, the man was blind. And Jesus had the audacity to ask this man, what can I do for you? What do you want? Ah. <sighs> You would figure Jesus wouldn't have to ask this question to a blind man. Because you would figure the blind would want to see, right? So why would he pose this question? What can I do for you? What do you want? So Bishop Jakes gives this analogy. He goes to the side of the congregation and he asks the congregation, if Jesus was here today before you and he were to pose this question to you, what do you want? What would you say? Just like that, they were quiet. So he goes over to the other side of the congregation. He said, if Jesus was here today and he posed this question to you, what do you want? What would be your response? Just like that, very minimal answers. He goes to the center of the congregation. He says, if Jesus was here today and he would have asked you this question, what do you want? What would you say? Oh, at least they did better. They said something. The point of his illustration was, is that if God were to ask you, what do you need? You should have a response. You should have a response. So I looked over at my three to four year old at the time and I said, because, you know, I'm a preacher, so I'm trying to turn everything into a life lesson. I said, Jesus was here today. And he was asking you, what you want, Malik? And Malik looks up at me, and I promise to God, he looks up at me, and he says, more of him. Now, you figure three, four-year-old, he'll be asking for a Nintendo or, you know, some candy or something. He said, more of him. And then it dawned on me, if I have the one who is more, then I have more. If, if I have the one who is more, then I have everything that I need because everything comes from him. So I don't need nothing else but him. And because I have him, I have everything. 
So our motive of our heart should be, God, I need more of you. I don't need more houses. I don't need more cars. I don't need more rings. God, I need more of you. You are all that I need. Now watch, as a byproduct of having all of him, you have all he has. It's a byproduct. Tell your name is access granted. It gives you access granted. So we see in the book of Joshua, chapter number three, and, and, and we're going to speed through this, but I got some, oh, man. It's, so we, we got private worship. We have public worship. And we see in Joshua, chapter number three, verse number seven, it says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I'll be with you. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this you shall know. Somebody shout, you shall know. By this you shall know that the living God is among you. And that he will surely dispossess from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hevites, the Perizzites, the Gagagites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and all them otherites. <laughs> Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Underline that if you would. He's crossing ahead of you in the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves 12 men. Somebody shout 12. 12 is the biblical number of order and structure. It is the number of government. So he says, take 12 men. And these 12 men shall represent each tribe. He says, take, in verse number 12, it says, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. It shall come about when the soles of your feet are the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off and the waters uh, which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. Woo, Jesus. That's a miracle there. Because at the time that they were crossing over the Jordan, it was that time of the, of the season where the flood waters were the highest. So this wasn't just like a normal time or average time of the season. This was the time where the waters were flooding. Y'all remember the flood in 2016? Right? Y'all remember Katrina, how the, the levees blew, I mean broke? Okay. And the water filled the city. Amen. Some of y'all caught it, but that's all right. And, and so it was that season where the waters were so high. You couldn't just cross over it. The waters were raging. There were flood waters pushing. And so the Lord took those flood waters and pulled it all together and made a heap in one spot. So when the people set out from their tents, uh, from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And when those who were carrying the Ark came into the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark uh, were dipped into the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks over the days of the harvest. 
The waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap in a great distance away uh, at, at Adam, the city, <clears throat> excuse me, that is beside Zarethan. And those which were flowing down towards the sea and of Abba, 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 the sea, the salt sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite of Jericho. Here's where I want to get to. And it says, and the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Now watch why all of this is important. It's going to come together. He got 12 men that represented the 12 tribes. In other words, he got families. <laughs> Here where it lies the private worship. The household representation. I need a representative from every household of worship. I need a representative of every private household of worship. I, I, I need somebody from each one of the houses to come and be a representation of what private worship looks like. Get 12. Get 12. Because I'm setting order. I got to put order in place. I need to know first how you worship in private before I put you on display in public. Y'all missed that. I, I need to know if you know how to get down in private before I put you on the dance floor in public. Uh, I, I need to know if, if, if you can do this thing in private because we're about to go public and I don't want you to embarrass me. So give me 12 from each house to be a representation of private worship. Altars are meant to alter what this world has altered. Altar worship should alter you. Altar worship should alter you. And altars are erected to alter what the world has altered. So God says, when you come into my presence, I'm looking to shake some things up. I don't want you to leave out my presence the same way you came into my presence. I want to shake some stuff up. Altars are meant to alter what the world has altered. So here are altar functions as we talk about altar worship. First thing is, altars are elevated places of sacrifice where divinity and humanity commune. Altars are elevated places. It is where divinity and humanity comes together to commune, to talk. To have intimacy. Greek word kononia. Fellowship. Intimacy with one another. The altar worship is a place where God says I want to meet you. The altar is a place where God says if you show up. I'll show up. If, if you get there. I'll be there waiting for you. If you build the altar. I'll sit on it. But I'm waiting for you to build it so I have a place to sit so that we can talk. 
Because there's some stuff I saw in you that I don't like. So I need you to get to the altar to alter you back to the way that I first got quiet. I, I need you to get back to the place I, I first created you to be. So I need to alter you at the altar. But I need you at the altar so I can alter. That's why I watch this in the church when the altar call. The first thing we think, oh, I don't need to go. You should be the first one there. The very fact that you have the thought that I don't need to be is the thing that you need to be doing. Oh, God. Well, I'm minister so-and-so. Get to the altar. I'm, I'm Bishop Cantaloupe. Please get to the altar, sir. Ushers, can you greet? Can, can, can you get this one to the altar? Because altars are meant to alter you. Matter of fact, as an example, as a leader, you should be the first one at the altar. If, if not for them, do it for your family. And not for yourself, do it for your people. The people that God has placed and trusted in your hands and your care. Get to the altar to be the example. That's why you got 12 to be the example. I need y'all. I'm, I'm going to train y'all on how altar worship goes. So now you can take what happens here back to them. It's the elevated place of sacrifice where humanity, divinity and humanity commune. It's where a transcendent God becomes inanimate. Not like a physical stature, but the physical presence is felt. You ever got to the altar and you just felt, now you, we, we use this as an indicator. It's an expression, but it's an indicator. Oh, I feel goosebumps. Anybody ever got the, goose, the gospel goosebumps? Yeah. Let me see your hands got the gospel goosebumps. Let me see. Once had the gospel goosebumps? Oh, I feel a goosebump. I feel a Holy Ghost. Look at that. Look, look, y'all. I feel a Holy Ghost. Look at them goosebumps. Right? But watch. It gets to a point in worship and altar worship where you can physically, tangibly feel the presence of God. That's altar worship. I can feel his presence. It may not become come in goosebumps. It may be a fresh breeze go upon you. Because in, inanimate. Altars don't just happen. You have to build it. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional to build an altar. Tina, you have to be intentional. You got to be intentional. It's your intentionality of building the altar that gets God to move. You got to be intentional. It just don't happen. You just won't show up to altar. You got to build and erect an altar. Now watch. He tells them, we're about to see in Joshua chapter number 4, how he tells them to build an altar. But altars can be built anywhere. Anywhere. It's not about when you pray, how long you pray, or where you pray. But it's more important to the one of whom which you're praying to. That's the altar. Oh, I know we got these set times. The prayer line at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock. We got the watch hours that we pray. He does say, early will I rise, early will, will I seek thee. 
But the power of prayer is not the time nor the location when you pray. The power is in the one whom you're praying to. Because if you designate your power at the altar of prayer to a specific place or time, what happens when you miss that time? What if you can't physically get to that place? You have to build an altar right where you are. And no matter what time of day it is, tell your neighbor you have to build. You remember that movie, Field of Dreams? If you build it, they will. If you build an altar, God will. Five, altar function. Altering is done by God. Altar building is done by you. God is going to alter you, but he's not going to build the altar for you. Altering is done by God, but to build an altar, it has to be done by you. So you got to be willing to build. Tell you, they got to be willing to build. And then when you have that altar, you got to put something on the altar. So number six is everything equals nothing excluded. You got to place everything on the altar. You cannot exclude nothing. You got to put it all on there. You got to put your family on the altar. You got to put your career on the altar. You got to put your vision on the altar. It all goes on the altar. You tell me every time I come, I got to put everything. Yes, every time you come, put everything on the altar. Every time that you come into God's presence, bring everything along with you. And whatever you need to take back with you, he'll let you take back with you. But if you put everything on the altar, don't be the determined factor of what you get to keep and what you get to present and what God is going to give back to you. No, put it all on the altar and say, God, it all belongs to you. And what pressure you want me to have, God, send me away with it. But if you need to keep it, keep it, God. But if you need me to have it, God, I'll have it, God. But whatever it is, God, I'm putting it all on the altar. I'm putting it all on the altar. You be the judge. You send down your fire. If it burns up, it burns up. If it comes back as gold, God, thank you. I'll take it. If it burns up, God, I thank you anyway. Because I wasn't supposed to have it. Thank you. So every time I come to the altar, God, here's everything. Empty your pockets out. Empty your heart out. Empty your thoughts out. God, take it all. Take it all. It's yours. Take it. Take it all, God. And if I walk away with something, God, I thank you. Whatever it is. If I walk away with nothing, God, I thank you. Thank you anyway. Because watch this. If I walk away with everything that I placed on there anyway. (laughs) If I take it away. Now it becomes my burden. Of which I have to bear. And he says, cast your cares upon the Lord. Because he cares for me. But if I take it off the altar, then I got to care for it. It becomes my burden now. But if God says, hey, leave that there. And take that right there. But God, I put a whole box. And that's all you're going to get me is one. That's all you need. And watch this. This is more than enough for your need. God, I thank you for the more than enough.
accessorize that thing. So you got to put everything. Watch this. The crushing will expose the occupant of your throne. The crushing will expose the one who is sitting on your throne, your heart. So as you're going through the crushing, we're going to see who's on the throne of your heart. When you go through the crushing of life, you're going to see who's really sitting on the throne. You're going to see who's on the throne. You're going to see who's sitting on the throne when you go through the crushing. It's going to expose. Is God on the throne of your heart or are you occupying your own space? Is stuff occupying the space of which God wants to inhabit? Tell your neighbor, take it to the altar. So in Joshua chapter 4, and I'm closing with this, because as we're learning altar worship, over time, altars are critical because time has a way of causing us to doubt what we heard from God. Time has this way of causing us to doubt what we heard from God. Anybody ever been there before where God gave you a word, gave you a vision, gave you a prophecy? And over time, as time has waned and time has gone on and that prophecy or that word hadn't come to pass yet. And you're starting to doubt God. Like, did God really say that? Or maybe God said something else. Time has that funny way of doing that. Has that funny way. Time has a way of eroding the passion for God's promises. Not as passionate as you were when you first got saved. Time has a way of lowering us into a sleepy pattern of life that aren't moving God's purpose towards us. We just kind of fall asleep. So we see in Joshua chapter number 3, he gets 12. And in Joshua chapter number 4, verse number 1, it says this. Now when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, God spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves 12 men from the people. One man from each tribe. And command them saying, take up for yourselves 12 stones. Somebody shout 12. Take up for yourself 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan. Wait a minute, God. Did you forget in chapter 3 that that was flood waters? And you want us to go in the middle of the Jordan? You want us to go back through the test? You want us to go back through the trial to get a stone from out of the middle of the Jordan? From the place where the priest's feet were standing firm. And carry them over with you and lay them down in the lodging place where you were lodged tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men from which he had pointed from the sons of Israel, one from each tribe, And Joshua said to them, watch this, cross again. Oh, that's a prophetic word for somebody right there. Tell your neighbor, cross over again. Come on, tell your other neighbor, it's time to go back. Cross over again to the ark of the Lord, your God. Into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of sons of Israel. He says, let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later, saying, what do these stones mean to you? 
Then you shall tell them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become as a memorial to the sons of Israel. Watch this forever. Thus the sons of Israel did as Joshua commanded them. They took up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, just as the Lord spoke to Joshua according to the number of tribes of sons of Israel. And they carried them over with them to the lodging place and put them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan. He built an altar at that place where the feet of the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. They are there to this day. Joshua built an altar as a memorial. Watch this. From the three models of worship, private, public, and the last one, generationally. Oh, God. Private, public, generationally what, what are you saying apostle it's not enough for you to know how to worship yourself but you got to teach your children how to worship that your worship towards God has to alter you in such a way that your kids know what worship look like we're so busy trying to leave an inheritance of wealth and land and material stuff you better leave the presence of the Lord Y'all quiet. Your kids ought to know how to worship. They ought to know what a worship atmosphere is like. That when they come into the building, they should know, oh, this ain't worship. Time to go. Oh, no, I ain't going there. Your kids ought to know when God steps in, oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. In our 915 service, there was a young girl here on the front row, and she worshiped the whole time. She worshiped and danced the whole time. She worshiped and danced. Her parent was sitting on the second row. She was on the front row worshiping. She knew what worship was like. She was like Isaac going up the mountaintop to be sacrificed he looked at everything there he saw the fire he saw the rope he saw the knife but he didn't see a sacrifice he knew what worship looked like to the point he looked at his daddy and said dad listen I see all this stuff but I don't see a sacrifice in other words daddy this ain't worship that we're about to do because there should be a sacrifice and I don't see a sacrifice what kind of worship is this, Daddy? You got a knife. You got something to tie up the sacrifice. You got wood and fire. But where's the sacrifice? Isaac knew what worship looked like. And that wasn't it. Abraham had to say, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. But the point is that the child, the young man, shall I say, was able to know what worship looked like. There should be a generational worship that long after you're gone, your children have an inheritance of worship. I remember when my grandpa used to get in the house and worship. That's what they should be saying. I feel grandma prayers in this house. 
I feel great grandma prayers in this house. I feel like grandma is still worshiping in this basement. I, I just feel something that should be a residue of worship left over. Generational worship. What are you leaving your children? Antique car? Collector's coins? Comic books? Or are you leaving them a generation of altar worship? How to worship God. How to worship God. Bow your heads all over this place. Because worship really comes down to a few things. You got to submit your will to God. You got to obey God. You have to reserve your worship for God. You have to bring a sacrifice before the Lord. And your heart's condition has to be right towards Him. You have to have integrity in your worship. And you got to know your worship has purpose. Worship. That's altar worship. God, I'm willing to submit my will over to you. And I believe somebody here today. Yes, our worship ministry was amazing in music. But that wasn't really the true worship. As great as the job that they did in setting the atmosphere, that wasn't the real worship. As melodious as they sound and song and, and as skilled as they were on the instruments, that was not really the pure essence of worship. Worship did not begin with the opening of a song. Worship began with the opening of your heart. True worship was where were your heart when the music was playing? What was the condition of the heart when the music was going full? What is the condition of your heart now where there is no music? That's where the real worship is at. Can you worship without a psalmist? Can you worship without an instrument? Can you be the instrument of worship? That's the real worship. That's the real worship. That's altar worship. I've been altered, God, to get out of myself so that I can get all the way into you. I've been altered at the altar. Father, now in the name of Jesus, let this altar worship alter us. Change us, transform us. Let us metamorph, God, into what you would want us to be. Alter us, God. We erect an altar, God. We build it up for a place of sacrifice to lay down our own lives. Pure, holy, and acceptable, pleasing unto your sight, God. Let us be altered at the altar. Let us be altered at the altar. If you're here today, you have not accepted Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sins. Maybe you have, maybe you're backslid, and today you want to get it right with him, coming to bring something to the altar, lay down your life at the altar. If that's you today, would you lift your hand in the air? Accept Christ. Backslid, want to get it right, I see you. I believe there's others today who say, today is the day, I want to get it right. Maybe there's some things in you that need to be altered. Some things in you that need to be altered. 
some old past sins that are still plaguing you maybe the guilt and the condemnation thereof maybe some hatred or bitterness in your heart maybe something in your heart you need to lay it at the altar if that's you would you lift your hand today I gotta put it down I'm putting it down let's see lift your hand if that's you thank you Father I see you sir any others today any others any others thank you Lord Father we bless you Lord God we thank you and God we give you the glory for those of you who lifted your hand you're going to be handed a white card fill that card out in its entirety for those of you who need to empty out so God can pour into you today we're going to leave the altars open so that you can be altered today so after I finish praying I'm going to open up the altars for you to flood it if you need to and to leave everything that you came in here with that needs to stay here then I'm going to allow you to do so today leave it at the altar now if you're here today you don't have a church home and you felt the spirit of God calling you and connecting you with Elevate Church if that's you today you want to be a part of what God is doing here would you lift your hand in there if that's you thank you Father God we bless you Amen can we give the Lord a hand a couple of praise Amen are there others today that will say today I'm connecting come on give the Lord a hand clap of praise any others today maybe those of you online you can text the word join the 225-361-2016 even those online any others today making a decision to connect if that's you today any others amen and amen come on give the Lord a hand clap of praise everyone if you would amen thank you Jesus For all of our first-time, second, and reoccurring guests, I would love to shake your hand, meet you, and greet you. Amen. Dr. Ruth can get a mic and close this out in prayer. Uh, I would love to meet you and greet you. I'll be in the foyer. I want to invite you guys back out for our Tuesday night Bible study on this Tuesday. Amen. God bless you is my prayer. Amen. Follow you to your car with long shelf.